are back. We are back. Welcome, everyone, to Match Point Number Nine, a Tennis Bets podcast. I am one of two hosts here, David E. J. Berger. You can find our show handle at MP9 Tennis on X these days, which is still weird to say. We're also on all the socials these days. If this is your first time listening, chance are how you found us. Welcome in. Hello. If you're a returning listener, a returning champion, welcome back. I am based in California, and I'm tossing it to Canada to welcome in my co-host here, Mr. John Reed. You can find him at Jared Tweets Tennis. He does betting content for his own brand at Tidbits Tennis. He writes for the Action Network, betting expert, Hammer HQ, and he does tennis from recaps. I think he is doing Los Cabos this week. John, welcome in. Yeah, good to be back. Now, if I have an X account, does that make me an informal member of Degeneration X? Because, <laughs> you know... I loved Shawn Michaels growing up. He was my favorite wrestler. So, like, am I part of Teach Generation X now? Is that I'm on this platform? (laughs) I think, like, now we are actually, like, uh, mandated to uh, throw up the X sign every time we we cash a bet now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, X. Oh, my God, Elon. You know, when you think about it, you listen to his explanation, what he wants to turn the platform into, and the steps he did take with the verified things. Like, it starts to make more sense, but good golly are you kidding me like just x that's it that's all you got for us man one of the richest men in the world calls it x seems like there's some uh faulty onboarding with the x brand (laughs) (laughs) so far so we'll see see how things go all right john we always kick off every episode with our accountability segment called what did we win what did we learn wins how about yuri laheshka moneyline versus dami team throw up the fire emojis (laughs) the cash (laughs) emojis john we talked Ooh. about how it made no sense to bet Dami team and and it comes in for us thank thankfully also had Carbayas Benya moneyline versus Tiro Daniel took a shot on that at essentially pick price that comes in talked about Zapata Morales set one moneyline versus Rublev we weren't fully committed but uh, I ended up playing it and it did cash so there you go losses I lost on Offner moneyline versus Alexi Poprin and Umog you know I don't really believe in the whole fixer talk but that crashed so hard on the money line, and Offner was awful. Something something was kind of crazy about that one. <laughs> you could say he was Offner? <laughs> yeah, something. In Atlanta, said to fade the Taylor Fritz side of the bracket because Alex Demonor would make the final. So, of course, Fritz wins the <laughs> whole thing and seems totally fine the entire time. Uh, we did get our Wolf 22-1 to outrights into the semis. Versus Mr. Fritz. Played an okay match, uh, but Fritz was pretty much in control the entire time. At that but, point, though, it is like you did want to to avoid Fritz, and especially in his quarter. I mean, I guess Wolf was in his half, but we were we, like, I think we were pretty good on that part where you didn't want to take Fritz because he was he was over or overvalued, but at the same time, like you didn't want to pick from his quarter either, right? So you kind of knew this might have been coming, and he played a great week. He did. Ugo Umber in Atlanta played maybe the best match I've ever seen him play versus Alex Demonor. He was pretty good on serve, and defensively, he out-demoned Demon. I mean, the guy, I, I'm sure Demon was, like, really frustrated because he was doing his typical, like, just getting every ball back thing, and, and Ugo was... Uh, not coughing up an air. That was it was that's what was frustrating about watching him against Vukic after that match, right? And was it the semis? I think he lost to Vukic after beating Demon. He would have beat Demon in the quarters. Yeah. I can't remember what rounds these things happen in because I just like you're you're covering pretty much every like literally every match. And so it's like the it all blends in, but man, it was like it was such an impressive display against Alex Demonor. And then the the second and third sets against Vukic was like, come on. 
I mean, when Vukic is serving well on on in those conditions, the heat, the fast courts, you're just it's going to be really tough, and that's what he did. But Ugo just had too many sloppy moments in the second and third sets against someone, frankly, like, sorry, I don't think this is like a late career surge for Alex Vukic. Let's put it that way. I mean, he's not that good. He's got a very good serve. He can hit that forehand big. There's not a whole hell of a lot else to his game. So I mean, that's a, it's a great win. And then it was a terrible loss right after it. It's like, that's the kind of the, the story of Ugo and Bear. Well, I know we both were on Lloyd Harris uh, two matches before and Going into that match, Umber played an awful match against Manorino in Newport, played a pretty awful match against Lestien, was actually on the, the ropes, had to break back to even stay in that match in the third set. Uh, does get the break back and pulls it out. But man, yeah, that was kind of uh, the, the up and down uh, levels of Ugo Umber. You mentioned Vukic, Alex Vukic. He had a great week. And he, he displayed or reminded us the big serving scammers out there. You got to beware. These guys, they don't offer a ton from the baseline. Not great at defense, but they're going to serve big and they're going to hit a big forehand. And on these quick conditions of uh, the hard court season, they might scam some wins at tiebreak. Yeah, I would also, um, I'd give him credit in that match against Fritz as well. I mean, Fritz didn't face a break points, right? So, uh, and Fritz only faced, what, three break points in his final seven sets in Atlanta. I mean, he was just serving and, and playing in general some superb tennis. Like, it was ridiculous. That level Taylor Fritz is is like... What year was it? Was it last year? Was it 2021? The year he lost to Rafa when he never should have lost to him late in Wimbledon. That's like that level of Fritz where I thought, holy, this guy could go deep at the US Open. But Vukic, I'll give him credit. The backhand wing is not a strength. It's not something that's going to hit winners, but he really leaned into taking it earlier. He knew that Fritz was going to have all the dominance in terms of attacking and, and kind of offensive style tennis. In, in those exchanges. And so he was looking to change, you know, take it earlier, try to take some time away from Fritz. He knows he's not going to hit as big and he's not going to do as well with it uh, in terms of consistency. So why not go a little higher risk and see if you can at least rush Fritz and and maybe force him to hit a ball that, that you can then run around to your forehand wing. I thought tactically Vukic actually played a pretty smart match and and you could recognize some of the, the things he was doing. Um, but yeah, you could also see that didn't generate a break point. He was never, ever in control of that match. It was on Fritz's racket. So it, it kind of shows you like, yeah, he's he had a good week and I think he, he game planned well, but there's just a, a cap on his talent, right? You could see that ceiling that he'd reached against Taylor Fritz. A complete heist of a win versus Nishioka a couple of rounds before that. Yeah. Vukic backing it up, open with the break against Nakashima, uh, but it's a deuce now, so he might gift it back here. All right, John. Well, that's enough about last week. Let's turn the page to this week. Right after I talk to you about Spotify for podcasters. All right, John, let's kick it off with the Washington site, ATP Washington, the DC City Open. Do a little tournament overview here. This combined women's and men's outdoor hardcore 500 event dates back in some form to 1969. Noise. It's been a 500 since 2009. Recent champs include last year's champ, Nick Kyrgios, who won it for the second time. He won in 2019 as well versus Daniil Medvedev. Last year, he beat Yoshi Nishioka. Yannick Sinner won his biggest title here in 2021 versus Mackenzie McDonald, who is down a set and a break now uh, to Dimitrov in the second round. Uh, Alex Zverev won it the two times before that. Guillaume Monfils won in 2016. Uh, these are traditionally fast hard courts, uh, but been a bit slower on some courts with these cloudy conditions. I just watched the Shelton Chung match. Uh, they played a very wonky set, too, that neither could hold in. Lloyd Harris couldn't hold serve against the lucky loser from Japan. Yeah, I don't know. What are you thinking about these? I mean, it's it's definitely hot summer conditions once again uh, here in D.C. 
uh, high 80s, high humidity. We saw Wu Yibing pass out and retire yesterday. Oh, yeah. What are you making of the play in D.C. so far, conditions-wise? To me, the courts are quick. They, oh, they usually are, though. They're medium fast. They, they're they not on, like, the Australian. I don't think they're on the Australian hard court scale or Cincinnati, but I'm pretty sure they're they're up there in terms of, like, medium fast-ish. You'll, I think you'll see the same thing. Well, we won't because we're, we're an ATP podcast. But if you watch the women's stuff, I think you'll see similar similar conditions, maybe a tad slower in Montreal next week. You won't see that in Toronto. I think you'll you'll see them slow down a bit relative to, you know, they're, they're, when you're sandwiched between Washington and Cincinnati, it's tough for the courts to look fast, like, because those conditions are quicker. But Toronto tends to play a little bit slower. Still hoping I can get to that event uh, next week. But show Shimabakuro. I, those odds took so long to get up. Had I seen a plus 270 freaking five on a quick court against this, the current Lloyd Harris, oh my God, that is a must play. That would have been a must play. That's really disappointing. But again, it was it was because of the Nishikori retirement. So books, I don't know if they were they were behind on it. They just didn't get it up fast enough for me to see. But I'm, I'm seeing now Bet365 did post. And well, that's kind of annoying. Yeah, Lloyd definitely not holding i mean this is serve as his weapon right and uh, it seems to be not that effective at the moment uh because i think he has zero rally tolerance well he just yeah he looks really rusty from the baseline like that's not always been his his game hasn't always been this right pre-injury he was a pretty quality player but he looks really rusty from the baseline man when that first serve is not landing his second serve also looks like it's it's a little bit more vulnerable than i remembered so he's got a long way to go uh, one last note on the conditions here. There is rain expected on Friday, so keep an eye out for that. The winds could pick up, etc., uh, etc. Et well, let's dip into some draw talk here, John. You actually pointed out, you know, before first serve yesterday, that the the outright market wasn't wasn't that great. Can you talk to us about that? Well, it was terrible in terms of a hold. I mean, at least at bet three six five, you know, bookmaker doesn't really get up non slam events really. Uh, quickly and they don't have and surprisingly pinnacle this is the one spot where they don't have the best odds almost you'll find them you know they'll i'll have 60 70 percent of my bets with pinnacle or bet online bet online is basically like pinnacle adjacent for for the offshore people out there they don't offer as many markets that like they're they're not as good as pinnacle the limits are lower as well but i mean odds wise they they kind of mirror pinnacle or they, they follow pinnacle's lead so when 60 to 70 percent of my single bets are, are there and then i almost never bet outrights at pinnacle because they almost never have the best prices it tells you that bet 365 and unibet as much as you know they can limit winners and you have to find ways to get accounts you can find better numbers on outrights there and so i'm i'm trolling through bet 365 yesterday and looking at the washington numbers and i'm like not one of these numbers not one stands out as even tempting let alone one i want to make official one i want to put my money on and so i go through and honestly you should probably be doing this with every tournament just to make sure um the holds aren't outrageous but the hold like the the implied probabilities added up to like 140 I think eight percent pre-tournament. That's ridiculous. I mean, you know the hold is higher on outrights. It's gonna happen, right? It's part of the game. But I mean, when you're getting to that level of hold, I'm sorry, long run, it's unbeatable. You're not going to beat that kind of hold. Uh, it's like playing in a in a one two game in poker. It can be soft, but if they're raking, I mean, here locally, there are some games that rake up to $15 a hand as their max rake. If they're raking that much, you're just not going to beat that in the long run. Or, I mean, you have to be really good or the game has to be really soft, right? So keep these things in mind when you do go uh, to place your wagers. And and kind of the benefit as a better of that kind of hold, though, is there's not going to be a lot of tempting numbers on the board, 
right? Because this is a, a relatively big draw. And so if they're going to take that much hold uh, right off the top, you know, you're going to have those moments where you're like, well, okay, well, I don't like any of the numbers. And then that's, you know, they're part and parcel of why you don't like the numbers. So it's, it, there is a little bit of a, a nice, the ability to skip it and not be tempted to, to bet into these bad markets because the numbers simply aren't good enough and aren't even tempting. Right. And it's, uh, you know, an event that I, I mentioned, typically a, a bigger name is really going to come into play with like Curios, I think was maybe the second favorite on the board last year. Center was, uh, he might've been a little bit further shot in 2021, um, but Zverev certainly was probably up there with the years that he won. Um, so not a, a, a lot of surprising winners. However, uh, on the other side of the court in the final, Yoshi Nishioka had a, an incredible run last year. And I, and I wanted to talk about this. He beat Karen Ochanov, Andre Rublev on the way to the final. Michael Emer made a run here as well into the semis. He really benefited from knowing that tough in his draw. He beat Korda. He beat Sebastian Korda in the quarterfinals uh, to reach the semis. I uh, beat Emil Rusevori and Aslan Karatsa before that. So not, you know, the most deadliest pathway, but uh, someone that you could have certainly made some money with uh, between those two players. So if if we're not too hot on the outrights, maybe we could talk about Moneyline rollover plays or potential guys to, to just back uh, a few matches in a row. I think, you know, as the podcast develops here at, over time, this is something we want to dig into more. And I have a name that to talk about that you might be interested in because I know you like this guy. Well, at least you, you've spoken kindly about him in the past. And that's uh, Mr. Radu Albot taking on JJ Wolf next. But I was trying to find guys uh, in, in pretty wide open parts of the bracket. Albot played a tight match in Dallas with Wolf. It was a loss, a 6-3-7-6 loss. But Wolf's certainly not afraid of losing on this tour. He beats Wolf. Uh, he would get, take on the winner of Herkesh, Michael Moe. Herkesh, obviously, not having a, a banner 2023. The bottom part of the bracket, Bublik, Monfils, Griegspor, Brody, all very beatable players. What do you think about Albot or any of the names in this part of the bracket in terms of that money line rollover perspective, John? He's the last play I did not add yesterday, like the last one off the list. I had the tab for Odds Portal open to do my price shopping. I stared at it. I stared at it. I stared at it. Match started. And then I was like, okay, decisions made for me. You can still bet live as long as no breaks from servers happen near the name number. But that's usually the point where I'm like, okay, match has started. It's gone live. The decision has been made for me. Right. I just tell myself that in my head to just let it go. And I'm really annoyed. And I made, I did the cardinal sin. I saw two people I respected, but bet on Jerome minus three and a half yesterday. And I let that affect my process and my thinking. Don't do that. There are people who you respect who are good betters. It is not a shot at, at the people who are on Jerome. There are good profitable betters that are still going to lose a lot of bets, right? It's part of the game. To me, that plus 200 was ridiculous. I just, I, I let it affect me a little bit. Two people that I talked to that that I, I trust their process were both on Jerome. I just didn't think he had the power necessary to hit through Albot. And I think you saw that come out a bit. I mean, he, he, he was, I think he was probably a little annoyed at how, you know, how hard it is to win points against someone like Rado Albot if you don't have sh like sheer weapons. He likes quicker courts, Marcos. I know that. His power is probably a little underrated, but it's still not big enough to just hit through a guy with the defenses and the consistency of Radu Albot. So I don't mind that. I don't mind that look. He likes quicker courts. He likes quicker conditions. It's where he's had most of his success in his career. This year, apparently, he's a clay court uh, grinder. Who knew? Um, but traditionally, long term, like long run, if you want to look at a bigger data uh, size, he is more of a hardcore player. So, I mean, the conditions would suit him potentially causing an upset or two. I'm trying to look through the draw here. Who does he 
play next? Uh, JJ, you said it already. Sorry. Um, JJ Wolf. Yeah, I mean, that guy can be error prone. He's done a very good job this year of being better in that regard, right? We got to give credit to JJ. It's why he had a little bit more success on clay. And by that, I mean, he won a match on clay this year. Uh, um, you know, jokes aside. Yeah. And he won some against some decent players too. So like you have to give JJ his credit. He has improved in that department, but if there's someone who can kind of draw those errors out and potentially cause that upset, wouldn't put it past Mr. Albot. He's a gooner, by the way. Gotta love a gooner, man. Radu Albot is like on liking every Arsenal tweet. He's in the replies all the time. Like he's he's out there in the in the X streets supporting the Arsenal. So, you know, I used to hate him because he took my money. Now I've started to make money backing him as a dog. And he's an Arsenal guy. I mean, look what I'm wearing right now. Like, come on. <laughs> I'm wearing an Arsenal shirt for those listening, which is everybody. Uh, I love it, John. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, not horsecock lock, as you said. <laughs> in the past but certainly someone i mean he's he's plus uh, 200 against giron he's plus 275 on the money line versus jj wolf wolf obviously had a a pretty great week in atlanta uh but so that kind of that relation there that kind of tells you everything you need to know about how stupid that pricing was against giron right i don't know how i mean that's that's either a huge vote of confidence in radio about that wasn't there in in the market prior but how do you go from a from a quick court being nearly the same in like implied probability of winning the match against JJ Wolf, who's in form, who likes quicker courts and who's got massive weapons that you were against Marcos Jerome. I mean, that's, we're talking about what a few percentage points different. That's nuts to me. I mean, he should be a much larger dog to Wolf. I'm not saying that, that this is go bet Wolf here. I'm just saying that this is probably a more correct price point versus the Jerome match where it was wildly mispriced. Looking at the draw as a whole here, uh, Fritz is the top seed on the top half and Tiafo is a two seed here on the bottom half. He takes on Oslo, Oslo and Karatsev, uh, tonight. Uh, I might have this out just before that, just before first serve with that match, but I, I like Karatsev's chances in that match. I know big foe is a DC guy, but uh, it could be a, a tricky one for Mr. Foe coming in. Karatsev has one match under his legs. Tiafo, he was out here in LA, been traveling, could find himself in a bit of a, a dog fight in that one. And then we got, yeah, a plus 270 there. I mean, on a guy Leakes, with that talent. Felix FAA is a three seed. He plays Watanuki, and he's on upset alert because we have seen nothing from, from him yet, and Watanuki certainly should play up in these conditions. Dimitrov, five seed. Looks like he's on his way to beating Mackey. QB is the four seed. Bublik, the six seed versus Monfils. And yeah, those are your top seeds here. Eubanks gets the seed here. After his splash Wimbledon decent run in Atlanta, he's the 11 seed. Andy Murray, the 15 seed. Wow. So yeah, any any names that you're you're keeping an eye out for here, John? Oh, you named one, Yasuke Watanuki. Um, he's another guy that could be a potential rollover candidate here as an underdog, where he's going to get above if he goes deep. I mean, he's not going to win the tournament, but you know, on the off chance he does, he's going to beat his 80 to one number. I think uh, if you roll it over, he's already you already would have had. You wouldn't have gotten paid out regardless of the book, even uh, first set retirement bookies, because it would happen in the first set. So the first set wasn't completed. So you would have voided there against Wu, but you're going to get plus 250 if you get the right book on him at uh, against Felix. And Felix has had some some physical issues this year. We haven't seen him play a ton trying to, I, get, I think, get better. And, and there might be rust associated with that. There might be lingering effects associated with that if he's not like 100%. I certainly think on a fast court, and you alluded to it, this is where Watanuki is going to do his damage. Outdoor, quick courts, indoor, hard courts that play quickly. He's got a big serve. The, the one thing is, if you're going to take him 
on a rollover. And this is why I probably just attack his individual match markets with, with standard unit sizing. You're going to be flipping a lot, right? His return game is not that great and you are on a quick court, but it allows him. We saw what happened with, with her catch on grass, right? He lost that match without being broken. And a third set tie breaks for a six four six seven six seven to Hercotch. That's what I would expect to happen in a match like this, or in Cincinnati if he if he plays and if he gets into the main draw there, or you know during the indoor swing in the fall. This is what I'd expect a lot from Watnuki. He's going to he should be able to keep matches close against more talented players just because of his serve forehand combo, his his flat balling nature, his uh, his flat ball hitting, his kind of aggression is. It should be able to find a lot of holds to serve. The question is, can he find the breaks? And that's where I'd look to, you know, your tie break props, your um, your overs, your even your plus games. I never play plus games. Y'all know that if you follow. Um, but this is what we're three and a half. Like, woo, baby, I think he could take a I think like him taking a set is well within the realm of possibility. If he does that, even if it's a seven, six and you get that to plus four and a half for all intents and purposes, like it's going to be, I think it's going to be tough for Felix to, to cover that spread. So I think even the plus three and a half is in play here. And of course the money line, if, if it is going to be a, a flippy kind of a coin flippy kind of contest, you want to have some, some plus two thirty, plus two forty, plus two fifty in your back pocket as well. And Mackie's choking the three on me. Thank you, bud. Appreciate that. I mentioned Nishioka. I mean, he had a pretty good match against Vukic that I, I mentioned before. It's kind of a heist. Uh, he did have uh, an issue with his foot late in the third. Something was funky with that. Uh, and he does have uh, a head-to-head issue uh, with uh, Rusevori. Uh, so we'll see what he does today. I think Rusevori has a, a couple wins against him head-to-head-wise. But again, th- this is an- another part of the bracket to attack. I think Dimitrov is very beatable, even though he's been playing well and looks like he's on his way to winning here. This is the Felix Watanuki area. Uh, Umber, pretty good part of the bracket to attack. And then ma- I, what about Adrian Manorino? Fritz, obviously, this is where I believe Fritz has nearly collapsed here uh, in the past. So fitness could come into play with him, even though he's playing great. Murray Eubanks, he's playing winner of Kevin Anderson, Jordan Thompson. He's certainly unafraid of taking down big trees. We saw him do it to Hubie in Miami. Medvedev on grass. Medvedev on grass. Manorino, not the Wimbledon. Manorino, and he's playing well. Newport title, so definitely in form. I think those are the... The top names for me to keep an eye out. And Monfils, uh, quite frankly, at this point, he has enough under his legs that I think if he's going to trend up, he's going to start doing it. Uh, you mentioned Chris Eubanks in here as well. If, if there's ever a quarter to scam out of for, for Chris, he could do it again here. I think I, I'm I'm a bit more of a believer, I think, than than some people who are just still waiting on like this. This is not sustainable. I think it's a, it's more sustainable than a lot of people think because that backhand has improved. But I mean, he's, he's still not like this well-rounded super athlete you know what i mean so i think that if he's going to do really well at tournaments there's still going to be some scammy parts to it where the serve is just firing this is a quarter he could do it in right i mean bye does he play shimbukuro next oh actually never mind i'll be looking on upset alert there uh with shimbukuro <laughs> but i mean if you think about what the price will be it, it might be released already I, I haven't seen it but if you think you know where that price you're gonna have chris at like more expensive than minus 200 right you're gonna have him that what minus 250 Probably minus no. The market loves Chris. It doesn't really think. I I, I think that's where it, uh I, you know I would expect the market to have it. But I think it could be up in the minus three hundred, right? Um, so odds wise, he's he's going to be a monster favorite to move through there. And then who? Manorino like is is tough, as tricky, as crafty, but he's not you know a world beater. Thompson, exactly. 
I think that there's a great chance for Eubanks here. Uh, although I will, like that said, I will be probably betting against him just because of the odds uh, on the other side. Most likely, not a guarantee, but most likely uh, with Shimabukuro. Choo-choo, the bank string could keep on running. Uh, all right, John. Well, let's dip into some some bets for tomorrow. Uh, Guillaume Monfils, we mentioned him. He's a plus 135 money line dog to Alexander Bublik, who is minus 150. The spread is two. The total is 22 and a half. This is on Bovada. You can get, I think you can get plus 135 uh, for Monfils in this matchup. Uh, these two have played in the past. Monfils beat Bublik last year at the Australian Open. He kind of worked him six one six zero six four, and Bublik beat him on clay at the French Open in twenty twenty, uh, in four sets. This, I I do kind of feel like I I if I'm I want a bigger number with Monfils, but I'm pretty suspect of Bublik in the spot. Yeah, I I definitely want a bigger number with Monfils. I mean, beating Bjorn for Tangelo doesn't. I think the Kokonakis match I was kind of impressed, uh, but but yeah, beating Bjorn for Tangelo does not you know, make me turn my head and say, okay, he's back. So guy's awful. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, like he's, I think he's there more for that paycheck and then like go cheer on his, his, uh, his either wife or soon to be wife in Madison keys. I'm not sure which, <laughs> that's pretty much what I think Bjorn is, is going to be best at this week is being her, her cheering section. But um, look, I, I don't know if I can, can back Bublik here. It's just, he's Alex Bublik. But and, I mean, honestly, Mofis, like Bublik's kind of whole sh- shtick is like the craftiness and the big sir, like the natural power, but he's also got that, like he's got good touch and feel and craftiness. And I'm like, I don't know how useful a drop shot is against Gael Monfils. I don't know, you know, if he's going to be patient enough to hit four five, six, seven, eight big shots uh, to hit through the defenses. If he ha- does, he have that patience or is he going to try and bail out with a, a low margin shot? I mean, this, I don't love Bublik in this spot, uh, but I mean, I'm surprised to see Monfils getting this much respect as well. So probably pass. Like my numbers say Bublik or pass here, but when I when I kind of try and put it into context or try and look at the actual matchup here, I just I don't trust Bublik enough. I'm going to take a shot on Monfils here. I, I really don't trust Bublik in this spot at all. Uh, he's been he had a pretty good time at UTS. Uh, I don't think that he's super motivated uh, on a hard court here and steaming conditions to get out of win. And I think. Uh, Monfils is it's a good spot to back Monfils uh, as a dog I think especially considering the lopsidedness of that Australian Open match from last year I mean Monfils does maintain some sort of level it seems like he has the ability to uh, find some breaks against Bublik we have Gregor Barrer taking on Dan Evans Dan Evans is even on the money line as a dog Barrer is minus 120 Barrer typically indoor guy but uh, does enjoy the past conditions here uh, got it out uh, a three set win in round one uh, a surprising three set win i think uh was uh, a lucky for the Barrer betters uh, in that matchup uh, to get the cover i know a lot of people were hot on the three in that matchup uh, the total is 22 that's the second that ahead. was the second last one off my list was the minus three just too too good for shantara in my mind uh and he and he covers but took three sets he was also down a break in that second i believe I believe he had to recover a break. He's down three five, and had to, so I mean that cover was dicey um, in the grand. He was down. Th- I believe he was down two breaks, actually, John. Oh really? Oh yeah. wow. Okay, I only saw the the three five there. <laughs> wow. Okay, so he had to really come back to get that to a tie break and and ensure that three gets home by not the hook because there's no hook on a even game spread, but one game it got home by the the, 
Get him his teeth. Evans has been bad. Like I, I, I would love to get some expert analysis with this, but what can you really say? I, I, I mean, he had the match won last week uh, in Atlanta uh, against Kepfer, and then maybe one of the all-time chokes from 040 on return. So he had three match points on return and then turned around and uh, lost the match in three. I mean, is there any reason to, to trust Evans in this matchup other than just you're banking on variance and Barrera. I mean, Evans, you know, I would say probably has a little bit more rally tolerance, uh, a little bit more solid from the baseline uh, than Barrera. Uh, but what kind of confidence does Evans have at this point? None. And because Barrera doesn't mind a low bounce, I don't think the slice is going to be bothersome to him either. I, I like Barrera here, honestly. Uh, I do think that it, it shouldn't be a pick. I think he should be a slight favorite at, at the moment. Dan Evans, I mean, not only has he been bad, but he's been choking bad like when he has a lead like that loss to Dom Kepfer was freaking unacceptable I had my write-up done and dusted like I was just waiting to copy paste to click submit it was so it was picture perfect tennis from me he was playing great he couldn't be broken his you know his return game was good enough to get three breaks relatively quickly I think within the first five or six Kepfer service games and then gone just like gone with the wind could not do anything he's super frustrated with himself and I mean I, I actually rate Barrera as well, if not better than Dom Kepfer on a, on a relatively quick court. So I, I know that he, Dan Evans was beating Kepfer, but he didn't close. And I'd be a little bit more concerned against someone like Barrera, who I think has a bit more pop to his game, hits a bit flatter of a ball, which is going to take time away from him as well. I, I do like Barrera in this spot. Yeah, he was down two breaks, came back in that second set, Barrera. Here's one that I'm interested in. Well, we talked about, I, I'm probably going to do something small on Abad plus 275 versus Wolf. We, we talked a lot about that before, but Talon Greekspor laying three against Liam Brody. Brody and Mutet had a stink off uh, in that first match. Uh, <laughs> neither <laughs> were particularly very good on second serve. I, I think they were both like in the 30% uh, second serve points range uh, in that match. Greekspor is a bit unpredictable, but he did kick off this year with, with a, a title on fast hard courts in Pune. Uh, we haven't seen him for a while, though. But, but I mean, what is the deal with only three games here? I, I just, I, I, I kind of don't get this one. Other than you know, we haven't seen Greek Spore. Who knows if he, you know, how how he's going to come out uh, playing here? I'm totally with you. I think when you say like, why is there, why is it only three here? I'm, I'm the wrong guy to ask, bro. <laughs> I'm asking the same question as you are. Why is this only a three? Now, to be fair, this wasn't the bookmaker setting. Um, where it is now, right? It was opened at one dot one point four five, which I don't know what that is in dumb odds. I think it's like minus two ten, minus two twenty five. I mean, whatever that may be. Uh, but a dollar forty five. I'm going back to my decimal odds here. Y'all can get your freaking odds converters out. <laughs> Has gone to one dollar fifty seven. That's that's pretty decent shift, right? I mean, twelve cents on the dollar at, at that level at those levels is you know. A relatively significant move. I mean, you're going from about 69% uh, implied probabilities all the way down to 63 and a half, right? That's that's a pretty big movement uh, in favor of Brody. And I'm with you. I mean, pedigree, tour level, that favors Greek sport. Better play on quick hard courts, that favors Greek sport. Who's got the bigger weapons? That favors Greek sport. Is there an injury here that I'm missing, perhaps? Um, you know, was he out at a club late night, perhaps? <laughs> um I don't know, but he hasn't played since he hasn't played since July 5th in Wimbledon, Greek sport. 
Sure. No, he well, he's, he went and played club tennis in Germany in the Bundesliga, won all three of his matches. Although he looked, he dropped a set uh, to Vitra that was on clay, whatever. Beat Yelisels, beat Bornagoyo. So he has some tennis, and it's not like tour level professional, but it is like a professional league um, of team tennis over there. So there's he's not totally, I, I would say, rusty. Fuchsvix is a very good player on grass, right? Like Rublev on grass is a very good player, and the tournament before that was a title. It wasn't a great loss to Hubert Hercatch, but he was a huge dog and took him five sets. He shouldn't have been a huge dog. That's a different story. Uh, I mean, I just don't see a lot of bad losses here. I, I don't, I, you know, he has two titles this year. Aren't, aren't these his first two titles ever, maybe? Um, or like two of his only three? Like, this is the best year of his career. He's good on hard courts. He's got weapons. I'm surprised, to say the least. I'm pretty surprised that this is only a three. This will be my write-up for betting expert, by the way. Um, tomorrow so he'll probably lose because those for some reason uh those bets that i spent more time on breaking down and then any other bets uh seem to be the ones that lag behind in the win-loss department and it's that's the beauty of sample size right people ask why are you a high volume better can you really beat yeah you can and in fact you want to have high volume to to reduce variance um so i'm told it's not the case this year but uh to reduce that variance and and you you know the small sample sizes can be a killer right but yeah that'll be my write-up so be forewarned all right, there you go. All right, John. Well, let's keep it moving here and, and go to our only clay event this week. Uh, for some reason, they're still playing on clay uh, on this tour. Uh, ATP Kitzbühel in Austria. This 250 event has been at this site since 1970. There's a little bit of elevation here, about 250 meters up above sea level. Roberto Petitza Agut beat Philippe Bisolich last year. Other recent champs include Kasper Ruud in 2021, who beat Pedro Martinez. Mio Kashmanovic won in 2020 for his only title. Dummy team in 2019. Uh, it's supposed to rain later in the week, starting Thursday, so beware. I think I had some rain this morning, actually, too. And it looks like temps will be down as a result, so not um, too grueling up conditions uh, like Umag uh, last week. Yeah, elevation clay once again here, John, and I know uh, we'll we'll dip into some draw talk here. Uh, I believe you said this is your only outright uh, in pocket this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is where I have Yannick Hoffman. He's gone deep here before. He's having the best season of his career. He's on his preferred surface, and he's got the weapons to take advantage of the clay. All things you would look for when you're backing someone in, in an outright pers- uh, perspective from, from an outright perspective. Now, I was before the numbers came out, or before I had looked at the numbers, right? I try and give my analyses for patrons um, for my draw breakdowns. Before I look at the numbers, right? Because I want to go into it without having like a, I have this guy in mind. Let me form a narrative around the number uh, that I like. I, I want to give like a legitimate breakdown. See like this guy will be a favorite because of his draw, because of his pedigree, because of his form. I had Yannick Hoffman most likely as a co-tournament favorite or like the second guy um, if for, from an outright perspective for my, where I thought like one, the year he's having two, his prior success here, he's a clay quarter you know, he's got a buy. You'd think that that would contribute to him. He was like the fifth favorite. He was 10 to one. Look at his draw. Pretty nice path, to be honest. I know tomorrow, um, his second rounder, it's, uh, oh gosh, I'm, I just had it up and I lost it. It's also Rinderneck, who's in form, but Rinderkinesh, not a clay quarter. Um, even if when he's, when he's serving, you know, really well, Hoffman can match that if he, you know, if, if Rinderneck gets into a, a kind of purple patch serving wise. Hoffman has a big enough serve to match that. I mean, he's he's a more natural clay quarter, plays with a heavier ball, plays with more spin, more margin for error. Having a better season. And Rinderneck, again, coming off a long week last week in Zug. So I, I'm not really 
sure that that it's as big of a test as I think people might expect. And then what? Lajevic, Zhang, Bagnis, or team? I know the market loves Zhang. I, I still think it's it's pretty scammy, his clay record, to be completely honest with you. And his his style doesn't really suit the surface all that well. Lajevic is is strong, but I don't think he's got that that power. I think you even in altitude, Hoffman will be able to work in uh, a few breaks of serve there. I do think he's a favorite against Lajevic. He's certainly a favorite against Bagnese for me, and he's a favorite against team in, the, in his current form. He's a favorite against team for me as well. So I was quite surprised to see him at 10 to 1. I think team was the same price in the outright market which is odd considering team has to play an extra match to get to that quarterfinal. Uh, but yeah, that that's, that's my take on, on um, Kitzbühel. Sorry. <laughs> and I, I do like Yannick. I don't think you're going to get that. I think you will actually get that price still uh, because he had a buy. He hasn't played a match yet. So his odds shouldn't have come down. I, I wouldn't think. Uh, Humphen is a two suit here. Tomas Echeberry, who has done nothing in this post Wimbledon clay, uh, despite being at these events, uh, he's the one seed. Offner as Sebastian Offner is the four seed. Kachin, who has a title here, uh, in Gustad, uh, in this post Wimby clay run, he's the three seed. Carbayas Benya is the sixth seed. Who's the fifth seed? Lazo Jair is the fifth seed. He backs up his uh, run in Hamburg with a win against O'Connell, I believe, right? I think he beat O'Connell. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I really don't have a hot take on this draw. <laughs> I'm kind of post Wimbledon clayed out. Uh, that said, <laughs> um, I do want to take a look at Sebastian Baez is minus 155 on the money line. RCB is plus 130 uh, as the dog. Now, over on that's on Bovada. Over on Bet Online, Baez is up to minus 162. So, something I, I, I've noticed the, the sharper movement typically ha- happens on Bet Online. Yeah. Because they mirror pinnacle, right? Yeah, a lot of the time. So the, the stale minus one fifty five uh, with Baez, who made pretty short work of uh, Medvedevich in the opening round. Uh, I mean, this is a pretty good spot for Baez to play. I, RCB traditionally too, this would be a good spot for him. This is a battle of like uh, two fifty clay guys <laughs> happening. It's. <laughs> It's back down to minus 155 again at Pinnacle. Um, so that is remarkably cheap, right? Um, this, If this wasn't a 5 a.m. start, this would have been the write-up uh, I chose. But I, I can't. It would get posted in time because the editors are in Europe and the posters people put on the center in Europe. Um, but I can't get it to my Twitter account uh, in time for 5 o'clock in the morning, right? So uh, this is one I'll just end up betting. But I will be on bias for sure. I'm, I'm surprised to see he's so cheap here. I mean... I don't know what RCB really does that much more effectively than him. Um, and Seba Baez, he kind of, he backs up his first serve a lot more than, than Carbaez Baena does. Like he's got more aggression to his game. He's got uh, more kind of pop on his forehand and he's not kind of at the mercy of his opponent. Plus he doesn't leak airs constantly, which is kind of the whole game plan for RCB is, is hope his opponents do Give him enough unforced errors to get him over the line. And that's not really something I think I would expect to see from, from Baez. So this is an interesting spot here. I certainly think Baez is, is underpriced and I can't figure out why. Maybe maybe the quantitative guys are looking at tour level hold breaks and you know they're just putting numbers into their spreadsheets and not really accounting for the qualitative side. And that's what's shaping this. I don't know. But uh, I, I certainly think that this is incorrect. He was minus 120 versus the Medvedevich. 
uh, which I should have put the retirement account on and then just logged out uh, and, and had a good good week with with that because uh, that was pretty sweat free and, and pretty straightforward. Uh, I was a little. I thought yeah, that was but a it was over- price right though. You think so? I, don't I mean, know. yeah, I, Medvedevich is 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 way way better than Carbaez buying it. He's got actual weapons. He's got no. That was he played Baez. Yeah, that's what I mean. Oh, okay. he, he he should have been by it should have been a a shorter like a more ex, a, a cheaper favorite against Vedetovic. Like if he's gonna be minus one fifty five against Bayern, he should damn well be you know pick up pick him against um uh, against Medvedevic or, or minus one twenty ish because again Medvedevic just he won the matchup. He actually has a contrast with Baez. If he's if he's playing at the top of his game, he's going to beat Sebastian Baez. He's got a huge serve, a huge forehand. He's on his preferred surface in clay, and he's had success at altitude a couple times now. The Mauthausen Challenger, and I believe he made a run in Gestad as well. Like He's got the weapons, and he's got the clay comfort. Kind of suits uh, cl- uh, altitude clay perfectly, and he's had a very good season. He's one of the better young prospects in the game, too. So, I mean, that was probably priced about right. And, I mean, like you said, if Baez came through that with relative ease, clearly feeling, you know, enjoying the conditions, not hitting too many unforced stairs, his game plays up here. I mean, I don't see how does Carbaez Bana's game really play up in these conditions? Is there power to play up in? Like, you know what I mean? I just I don't I don't get it. I think he should be close. I'm honestly not even exaggerating when I say he should be closer to minus two uh, two hundred to minus two twenty five here. Uh all right, John. Well, that's all I really have for Kitzbühel. Let's go to Mexico. Mexico, here we come. ATP Los Cabos, this outdoor. Hardcourt 250 event has been around since 2016. And I think this is the last time it'll be at this part of the calendar. I think it's shifting to pre-Indian Wells, if I'm correct. Does that sound right to you, John? I think so, because it, we're we're going to see next year Toronto and Miami get the Madrid and Rome treatment. Or sorry, Toronto and Cincinnati are going to get the Madrid, Rome, and Shanghai treatment of becoming two-week events. And so they've kind of got a clear space on the calendar, right? Because you're not going to put a 250 in the same week as a Masters. It's just, it's death for that tournament. You can't do it. Um, you won't get anyone there to be a challenger. So, I mean, there, we saw that this year too with Munich and Estoril, I think, moved up the calendar a bit earlier than they used to be. That's going to be the same kind of thing you're going to see with Cabo. And I, I do love the fact that they're keeping all these tournaments because I, I would have been against this shift uh, with going to two-week Masters events if it meant just wiping three or four tournaments off the map. Because honestly, this is where guys can make some cash that are lower ranked or can get some points to get into events that get them a little bit more cash, right? More guys, expanded draws would mean they'd get into, more guys would get into the main draw of the Masters events as well, the first round. But you'd have a lot of guys like the 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 last ones into these 250s would be in qualies and fighting just to get into those draws. Now they still get a chance to play Cabo, different time on the calendar, and they're probably going to get a chance to play qualies for this Masters event. I like the fact that we're kind of expanding the draw for the Masters events for these players, and we're still keeping their chances um, to get points and money at 250s intact. Absolutely. I, I love that take, John. Uh, Daniil Medvedev is the reigning champ here. He's not returned, uh, but he beat 2021 champ Cam Nori, uh, who is back in the field. Uh, Nori beat Brandon Nakashima in 2021. Other recent champs include Diego Schwartzman, Fabio Fonini, and Sam Query. Uh, these are slow slash medium conditions and grueling summer heat, high humidity. Uh, so you'll see big servers and non-traditional hard quarters play up here. Uh, and that's partially a product of the conditions, but a, a lot of product of who's in the field uh, as well. 
or who's in the draw as well. Uh, so uh, we'll be in the 80s with humidity going up actually at night, the 70 to 80 percent range uh, chance of rain on Sunday. We we saw Melagini Alves pick up uh, a, a win against Tabilo as a massive dog. Uh, he takes on Tommy Paul next. And uh, let's let's dip into some draw talk here. Cam Norrie's the two seed. Stefano Tsitsipas is the one seed. Chorich is the four seed. Tommy Paul, the three seed. Some real question marks with Chorich. And, and the top, I mean, the top half with Tsitsipas and Chorich. I mean, Chorich has done nothing for a while. Tsitsipas uh, could be uh, in a position where he's literally just uh, on a paid vacation here. <laughs> Summer to love. Outside of his little Wimbledon run, he was uh, leaking losses uh, as he uh, seemed to be caring more about his social media than his uh, and his love life, more than his tennis life. Uh, but he has traditionally owned Isner, uh, hasn't beat him, uh, or hasn't lost to him since 2018. They've actually played quite a bit. Uh, they played one, two, three, four, five, six, time, six times. No, one, two, three, four. They played five times. Uh, since 2018, Isner's only won two sets in those those meetups. So tough road ahead for Isner. Although he did pick up a, a good win against Rinky Hajikata uh, last night, Big John. So yeah, I don't know. This is a, a true question mark event to me, and I know you're not so hot on this one, and that's why I moved it to third after uh, yeah third on the list here. Yeah, this event sucks. I mean. Uh, <laughs> that's 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 my take on this one look it, i know that you like it because you're a california guy and this is like the only time night tennis gets played for people in the pacific time zone and it's like there wouldn't even be night tennis if it weren't for them starting at freaking night or in the evening i suppose your time night my time i think it's pretty cool i like the fact that i'm covering this event this week i i did actually get to see anything other than tabula milligan last night because my power uh cut out on me so that was fun um but I'll be watching every match from here on out. So uh, I would say I'm excited, but I think what this does do, I'm going to put a positive spin on this garbage field. Um, it gives you a chance to learn about guys like Bebit Shukayev, right? There are going to be challenger guys you're going to learn about. I don't think there's much to learn about Jason Jung or Ernesto Escobedo. I think we know them pretty well by now. Uh, I think some people are going to be surprised at how Thomas Barrios Vera might look this week and how he might have a shot to go to do some damage if he can hit through Dom Kepfer. We're going to learn about one of the better young players in the game and Pacheco Mendez. He's in with a wild card here. I think he's one of the, a pretty strong junior. Now I'm not sure if he's got a strong game or if he's just able to beat kids at the junior level. Right. But uh, he's here against Nico Hari, Skander Mansouri, very, very, very kind of like big serve and that's it kind of game here. So I think there's a chance to learn right? We can win and we can learn this week uh, in Los Cabos. It's, uh, But yeah, it's not a good field. And um, the only outright I came close to playing was Chorich, but I'm bored of Chorich, so I didn't. And then with Pass, I think you're just, he needs form. And this is the perfect place to do it. This is going to resemble Acapulco. And it's not just because it's in the same country. It's because I think they, they use similar courts, right? They have um, yeah, pretty slow conditions. It, it's going to give City past time. Now he might not have a lot of time on the back end against John Isner and his serve, but after John Isner, you know he's going to have more time. And, and slower conditions are where he prefers to play. And he does need form, as you as you alluded to, badly. Uh, he probably got an appearance fee as well. It's a beautiful little resort kind of uh, vacation town, or it's close by Cabo San Lucas. So it's 
it's a pretty good spot for Pass. I like his chances here. I think he will be motivated. He needs form out of Toronto. He's had he's had success here as well uh, in the past because, again, medium slow. That's where he's going to find some success on hard courts outside of Australia, where apparently he loves fast courts. Uh, the only place in the world that he, he loves fast courts, but certainly uh, worth uh, worth monitoring him. I just I don't think under three dollars or under plus two hundred. I don't think there's any value in betting him, and he's getting a lot of respect there. What do you think about this uh, Kova Nori matchup? Uh, Nori Nori obviously does really well in these Mexican hard courts uh, as a Acapulco final. He's won this before, uh, but Nori is like all over the place, man, with, with his level. Yeah, the problem is Cam Nori is just this. Is, these are terrible conditions for Kovacevic. It's a horrible matchup as well. A uh, little bit error prone, flatter hitting doesn't like the prolonged rallies means he's more likely to hit errors with his his uh, flatter shots, um, less margin for error, which you kind of don't want to have as your style when you're playing Cam Nori. And look, Nori, we know he deals with the heat very well. We saw him kind of outlast Alcaraz down in was it Rio uh, earlier this year when it was really hot. You know he he likes these Mexican events. He's had success here because again his consistent style is rewarded by the slower courts where he's where he has the time to make a ton of balls and make uh, guys miss. He angles really well. Um, I think that spin could give a little bit of trouble to Kovacevic's one-handed backhand. It's just a terrible matchup uh, for Alex Kovacevic here. And, you know, conditions-wise, it is a guy who really likes these conditions versus a guy who is far from his best in them. I mean, to me, I think, you know, the market's for minus 500 on Nori. I think that's probably right, honestly. <laughs> like, I don't think there's uh, there's much room to to fade him here yet. He was, he's another one actually I considered, but again, he was $5.50. So plus four fifty was a little short for me. Um, so I passed, man, this is a pretty top heavy field. Uh, I mean, Green could easily lose to Borna Goyo, but I would think Christian Green would be someone to, to keep an eye on as a, a dark horse here. Um, if he doesn't, if he gets by Goyo, because he could easily lose to Goyo because that's just what Christian Green does. Does is loses matches, <laughs> <laughs> but I would think uh, for hard courts, uh, this would be pretty good conditions for him and uh, Chorich all over the place uh, with his level. Who knows what? I mean, I don't even know what to think of him at this moment. Um, Sitsi, I mean, yeah, Sitsi, it's on Sitsi Ponce's racket if he wants to to make the final or not. Really. Uh, I think he will. I mean, we know he has trouble with Borna Chorich, right? We know this. Um, Borna gives him fit. So if if that matchup happens, who knows? But I mean, I think he's like, you would think he's here for form. Because even if he was just here for the appearance fee, it's like, this is a winnable tournament, dude, and you need wins more than anything right now. Go win some freaking matches. Um, so you'd hope that he's here to win it. And if he, if his mind is in that kind of head, if, he's, if he is in that headspace, pardon me, he should... Uh, be able to take this title down. I hope we get a decent price on Tommy Paul in a rematch uh, with versus Demonor of that Acapulco final. Uh, I'd want to back Tommy Paul not off a, a, a marathon uh, versus Demonor uh, in this matchup. I think uh, I would think conditions if, if he hasn't just nearly uh, collapsed the night before <laughs> in a five-hour marathon versus Fritz. Probably plays a little bit better. I think did he win the first set, or he was he, he played pretty well early in that final uh, as well. But um, 
Demon, obviously, is someone who has unlimited fitness, but not traditionally great on on slow courts. Um, yeah, like he did well in Acapulco, right? I mean, it's it's, but that to me, I think this is the test. Was that an outlier, or is he just improved on slower courts? Because you know he's he has a chance to back it up uh, with another title in Mexico. I think he won. Did he win Acapulco this year? He did. Yeah. So I mean, that to me, in my mind, is still an outlier for now. Right. I'm not as stubborn as I used to be with kind of fading these guys, but I'm certainly wanting to see more to to believe that he has made that jump on slower hard courts. I'm not convinced just yet. Uh, and, you know, I think that exact potential matchup would be the one to prove it. In because like you said, I think these con- conditions favor Tommy Paul. He's got the skill uh, to stick with or beat Demon as well. So if Demon could come through uh, multiple matches, including a Tommy Paul victory, I'll probably reassess my he's a quick court specialist take. Uh, fun little fact, uh, Alves to Bilo, I believe they combined for 12 second serve points one in that match out of 49. <laughs> <laughs> the out of 49 really, really puts that into, into frame well, eh? <laughs> Um, yikes. Um, all right. Well, all right, John. Well, we set it off for now. I will be in Las Vegas uh, this weekend watching and wagering on the finals. Uh, so I'm very excited. Follow John at Jared Tweets Tennis, at Tibbetts Tennis. Follow us at MP9 Tennis. Do subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a like, subscribe. You see Michael Moe just took the first set versus Hubie. Nice. Oh, I didn't bet it. I didn't bet it. I <laughs> stared at the number and didn't bet it. I like Michael Moe in quick conditions, man. The, the first serve actually plays up. We saw him do it to Felix. Like he, his first serve can can stick with these better players now, um, and he's less vulnerable. And of course, he's always going to have the return edge on guys like Hubert Hurkacz, right? That like plus, uh, I trust him in in hot hot conditions a lot more too. Um, but yeah, I know I, like he's had injuries, but he he does have the endurance. Probably a decent first set money line win there. Uh, All right, until next time, stay in the court.